Father, we thank you, we give you praise, we give you glory. We exalt your name for a time like this at your We thank you that you will speak your word expressly unto us. We destroy every hindrance to the entrance of your word this morning. We pray that your word will come fresh from above. It will come with power, it will come with authority. It will move us from where we are to where we ought to be. It will place us at the center of your will. May it destroy every negativity in our lives and may help us to focus on our purpose and why you called us. Holy Spirit, you're the great teacher. Come and teach us your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many of us believe that um, heaven is a better place than the earth? We believe, eh? Imagine walking on the street of, of gold every day. Eh? Not just a tiny piece of gold that, you're, that is your life saving, but it's, it's a street of gold that you're walking on each and every day. Praise God. So I would have imagined that when Jesus Christ came and he died, and he said, okay, if you believe in me, you, are, you now belong to me, I would have imagined the day the moment, the second that you said, Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord and my Savior, that he will immediately take you to heaven so that you can start to enjoy immediately. Praise God. Why doesn't he do that? I mean, heaven is a better place. And when we come to him, okay, now Jesus, I belong to you. I, I for one, would wish that, okay, from that moment, I just disappeared and appeared in heaven. So that I can start my enjoyment on time. Praise God. But he doesn't do that. And that's because there's a reason. And the reason is simply is because what you have enjoyed or what you have entered into, he wants you also to tell somebody. Praise God. Paul was saying, he said, look, I have finished my course. I have run my race. I have kept the faith. And when he said that Paul didn't stay long, Afterwards, he died. Jesus Christ, when he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. And the moment he said, I have finished, he went to heaven. So the fact that you are alive, it's because you have not yet finished. Because if you are finished, you will be in heaven. If you had finished your course, you will be in heaven. But there is a purpose why we are here. Uh, Ethan will come and tell us that reason. Ethan, he will read a scripture for me. Yeah? So why are we here on earth? Okay. Okay. And 
Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So do we now know why we are here? Do we now know why we are not dead? We are not in heaven. We are still here or not? It's very clearly spelled out in the scripture. You should go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, the scripture said, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel to every creature. So if there's any vague, uh, vagueness in your mind or you're confused about what, why you're here on earth, then I, I'm happy to tell you the reason why. It's so that you can preach the gospel to every creature. Praise the Lord. And first of all, I want us to establish the fact that this was not a suggestion from Jesus. Praise God. I, I mean, Jesus also said, the Bible also said that give and it shall be given unto you, but that was a suggestion based on a principle. So it's not as if if you don't give, that you will not go to heaven. Or if you don't give, then, then you are in disobedience. God was just giving a principle that if you give, it shall be given back unto you. But that was a suggestion, but this is not a suggestion. He said, go, it's a command. So preaching the gospel is first of all a command. So it's not something that you choose, okay, maybe if I, I will join the evangelism team one day and then I will preach the gospel. No, this is already a command. And secondly, we need to understand what it is exactly that Jesus meant when he said, go and make disciples of all nations. What it is exactly that he meant when he said we should go and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. And he simply means that we should go and share the gospel. But like Brother Elton had started to explain, what is the gospel? So we say, okay, Jesus said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. Or go and make disciples of all nations. So what is really the gospel? And Elton had already started in the, in the such the scripture session to explain what really the gospel is. You know, the gospel is actually a Greek word. Uh, the, 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 the Greek word for that is called euangelion, and it simply means good news. Praise God. There's a noun word for that, and there's a verb word, which is called euangelizo, which, is simply, which simply means to bring or announce good news. All of them are derived from a root word called, uh, and, uh, it's called angelos. It simply means the messenger. So in classical Greek, uh, an angelos or a messenger was simply somebody that really comes to bring great news that caused joy. For example, is the, if the country was in war and the country had won the victory over the other nation, you would send an angelos a messenger to go and cry in the town. Our soldiers have won. Our soldiers have won. So he was somebody that if there was bad news, you don't sell an angelos. You only send an angelos for, for a news or a political or, or, or battle or war news that caused great joy in the city. Praise God. So in the context of the scripture, God is asking us to bring a great news to the people that will cause them great joy. 
that will cause them great joy. Praise God. And I want us to focus on uh, a scripture today. I will call uh, Anotida to come and read a scripture for me. Is he here? No? He has gone with the children. Okay, I'll just read it myself. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 11. This was also already shown in, uh, in the search the scriptures session. So if you can put it. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also ye received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. Yes, go on. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the great part remain into the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the, yes, go on. By all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, so I am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Yes, gone. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. At the last verse, verse 11, therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. Praise God. Uh, before I go into the details, I want to focus on the part from verse 3, which said, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Pay attention to that sentence. He said, I delivered to you as of first importance as a priority, that which I also received. So Paul was saying here, look, I experienced this gospel, and when I experienced it, I considered everything else unimportant until I have told it to you what happened to me. So he said, I have come, I am first and foremost. My priority was to deliver to you that which I also received. Praise God. So the moment you get born again and you really understand what it really means, your first priority will be to go and share with your neighbor and say, I want to share with you something that I have received. I want to share with you something that I have experienced. I don't want to share with you about the news about Donald Trump or anything. My priority is to share with you something that I have received. It's to share with you this, this experience that has changed my life. I was once blind, but now I can see. You can see also, because it has happened to me. This, was the, this is my interpretation of what Paul was saying here. He said, first of all, for, it, it, is, it was his priority. Praise God. And why? So, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. 
That's why we started. He said that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. So God provided a way of salvation for men through the gift of his son to the world. And he suffered a sacrifice for our sin. He suffered a sacrifice for sin. You know, he didn't simply die to deal with the symptoms of sin. He died to deal with the main issue itself, which is called sin. You know, when you talk to the people, they say, my problem is I'm a bit depressed, you know. I, am, I, I don't, I want to hang myself, so I need to deal with depression. Another person will say, I say I'm a good person, but I only struggle in one area. You know, I cannot handle money very well. Or another person will say, I, I'm really good, though, except this area. So people keep mentioning the symptoms. You know, when you go to the doctor, you really don't know what is ailing you. So you say, actually, I feel my temperature rising and uh, my, my body feels somehow. You, you keep describing the symptoms to the doctor until the doctor really tells my brother, you're suffering from cancer or you're suffering from this or this. So most of the time, people don't know what the problem is. So, but here, Jesus Christ did not die to deal with the symptoms. And we must, when we go to tell the love of Jesus Christ to the world, we must move people's attention from the symptoms of sin to the problem of sin. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because that is what Jesus Christ dealt with, the root problem. The root problem was what Jesus Christ dealt with, and that root problem was sin. If you want to see, if for example you see the leaves, uh, the leaves on a tree, you have a nice garden and the fruits are, are, are not producing well and the leaves are just falling off, maybe they, they lack fertilizer, you, you now go to the market, you buy fertilizer, do you now go and spread the fruits with the fertilizer? Although that is where the symptom is, but you don't spread the fruits and the leaves with the fertilizer, you go to the roots you deal with the issue at the root, and when you dealt with it at the root, it will reflect in the fruits and in the leaves. So Jesus Christ did not come to deal with your lack of uh, uh, faithfulness in money. He did not come to deal with your lying problem. He came to deal with why you lie. He came to deal with why you're not faithful with money. He came to deal with your desire for adultery came to deal with the root cause of it. And that's what Paul was emphasizing, that Christ came to die for our sins according to the scriptures. Praise God. And he was raised on the third day also according to the scripture. So simply put, he overcame death. Hmm. Victory over sin was procured and it was signified by his raising from the dead. So what does that really mean for the world? What does it mean that Jesus Christ raised, was raised from the dead? It means that victory over sin had been procured. And for anyone who will choose to accept it, that victory can become his or hers. Praise God. It means now that anyone who wants to believe, anyone who, who so dares to believe, can be free and can, can have victory over death, can have victory over sin. Praise the Lord. And there is evidence. Praise God. I want us to read verse 5 to verse 7. There is evidence, verse 5 to verse 7, of, yes, and that he appeared to Peter 
and then to the 12, yes, verse 6. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Verse 7. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. So there is evidence that that victory had been procured. So it's not just a hearsay. So when you go to preach the gospel, you can tell them, look, this is not just some theory. There is some evidence. There, there are also historical evidence till today. If you go to Jerusalem, the tomb of Jesus is still empty. He was buried there. It's confirmed that he was buried there and he arose on the third day. The world tried to close it, you know, bring all kinds of story, but you cannot deny it. It's historically self-evident. Praise God. So there is evidence based on what the scripture says, based on what the other apostles tell me, based on, based on all the things I read in the scripture. So you can go and keep quoting all the scriptures to the people, but there is the most important part for me. And that is what Paul said. He said, but he also appeared unto me. He said, I, I've heard that he appeared to Peter. I've heard that he appeared to James. I have heard that he appeared to the 12 disciples. That may be correct, that may not be. But he also appeared to me. Praise God. So when you, what really has Jesus Christ done for you? And that is the message of your gospel. I mean, it's okay when you go to preach the gospel to say, okay, you know, this is what the scripture says, this is what the scripture says, but what has he actually done for you? What did Jesus do for you? How did he change your life? So when you go to preach the gospel, Paul was saying here, yes, he appeared to all the disciples, he appeared to the apostles, he appeared to over 500 people, but he also appeared to me. So I have personal experience. I have first-hand information that Jesus is alive. That we have victory over sin. That we don't have to be slaves anymore. I have personal experience. So when you go, tell your neighbor, look, I was once like this. When I met Jesus, he transformed my life. And that makes me believe that he can do the same for you also. No, I was suffering from disease. I was suffering from all kinds of, of, of mental problem. But when I came to Jesus, he changed my life. And I believe he can change your life also. Are you struggling with this? Yes, I was once there. This was my experience. I struggled with what you're struggling with. But when I came to Jesus... He changed me. And I believe he can change you also. Whatever Jesus has done for you is a powerful message that must be shared with the world. Praise God. Don't hold back your story. Don't hold back your story. The Bible says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They overcame the devil by their testimony. So when you go out into the world, shout it at the top of your voice. I was once blind, but now I see because of Jesus. Show them some evidence. You know, people, people are, 
when you go, show them evidence that what you're talking about is not some abstract thing. You have to show it to them that, look, I'm not just telling you something that I read about in the Bible. I have personal experience that God is good. If you come to God, you will not be disappointed. Praise God. But what makes the gospel a good news? And again, uh, Deacon Elton had already started with this. What makes the gospel a good news? I want us to read verse 9 to verse 10 uh, of that same scripture. 1 Corinthians verse 9 to 10. He said, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Yes, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I walked harder than all of them, yet not I. But the grace of God that was with me. Uh, I, I know, Brother Ikena, you like good cars. If I tell you now that in Amsterdam, there's a new brand of car. You know, the one that if you're inside, it will be massaging you. <laughs> yeah? You are tired from work. You enter the car, it will be massaging you. And you, you can just say, I need Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola will just come out from the... I tell you about all the features of the car. Will you be excited? Yes. Why will you be excited? <laughs> yeah, your excitement will not be real. Because you know that you, you probably don't have the finances to pay for the car. Yes. If I say this, the same information here, I say, okay, the, the, uh, the car only costs maybe 2 million euros. There are probably a few people that will be excited about my news. I say, but the car has massage. You say, eh, but I'm not excited. <laughs> the car can do this and this and this. They say, ah, it's not my business. <laughs> Why? Because probably most people cannot afford it. They cannot afford the car. So it's not a good news for them. If I, come, if I come to you and tell you all the wonderful things about the car and yet you don't have the money to buy the car, it is not a good news. It is not a good news. So if I come and tell, to, tell you that Jesus Christ can actually change your life, he can heal your body, he can transform your life, he can deliver you from the bondages of sin and all the fleshy desires that you have, he can, he can really deal with those issues. The only thing required is that you pay 2 million euros to the pastor. It is not a good news. It is not a good news. So what makes it a good news? By the grace of God, I am what I am. It is free. Praise God. Salvation is not something that must be paid by your good behavior. It is procured free of charge, and that's what makes it a good news. You can go and say, look, I, I, I was in your position, but now I'm no longer there, and I didn't have to pay anything for it. I didn't have to go to a psychologist who actually does not know what he does, but still eats your money. The real psychologist, the real one that can change your problem is Jesus, and guess what? He does it for free. He doesn't require anything. He said, oh, if only you can believe. The only requirement is that you believe. That you believe. Praise God. 
In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. Yes? By grace are ye saved through faith. And that is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. It is not from works so that no one can boast. Praise God. So the fact that you are born again today, that your life is perfect, your children are obedient, when you say sit down here, the child sits down and you're happy, your wife is good, you're earning good money, and it's all because of Jesus, it shouldn't make you boast. You didn't earn it. It was a gift from God. And when you go to talk about it, don't talk about it with pride. You know, my family is good, things are, no. You didn't earn it, my brother. It is a gift from God. And when you go and talk about it, talk about it with humility. I didn't deserve it. This is what Paul was saying. He said, I was not worthy. Of all the people, I was not worthy to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. If there was anyone that deserved punishment, it was me. He said, but I am what I am. By the grace of God. So when you go to tell the people about the love of Jesus, tell them that it's free. Emphasize on that. You don't have to pay anything for it. Uh, there, there, there are some people, I want us to ask chapter 5, verse 1. No, Acts chapter 15, rather, verse 1. Acts 15, verse 1. Acts 15 verse 1. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Praise God. So they came down and said, look, I know you people talk, like to talk about grace and this and this, but unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. So these are people that were against the doctrine of grace, the teaching of grace. And who are these men? We can see it in verse 5. Verse 5. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words. No. Acts 15 verse 5. Praise God. In verse 5. These were men that were originally Pharisees that came to the gospel. There were some Pharisees stood up to say their peace. They had become believers. So these are some Pharisees and Sadducees that became believers. So they became believers but continued to hold on to the hard party line of, that, of the Pharisees. You have to circumcise the pagan converts, they said. You must make them keep the law of Moses. Like you have to be in AGP, even if you are not saved. You have to believe RCCG, even not you are not saved. No. You have to do this and this, even not you are not saved. No. They had been used to the life of trying to please God by their actions. So they, it's abstract for them. How can you be saved simply by believing? They said, no, something must be done. We have to at least try to make an effort to pay for our sins. So they said, no, all the converts, all the pagans, you have to 
circumcise them. Let them feel the pain of circumcision. Maybe it will tell them to keep, you know, to remain faithful to God. Praise God. But that is not the message of the gospel. That is not the message that Jesus Christ brought. He said, if anyone should believe, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will simply believe in him will not die, but have eternal life. Paul responded to this in Galatians. Uh, I want us to read Galatians chapter 2, verse 4 to 5. Galatians chapter 2, verse 4 to 5. This matter arose because some false prophets have infiltrated our ranks to spy on what? On the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. Praise God. He said there are some spies, some false prophets that have come to spy on the freedom that we have earned, the, the freedom that was given to us rather because we didn't earn it, to make us what? To make us slaves said we did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. So they withstood these Pharisee brothers, these, these, these zealot brothers. They said, no, Paul said we stood them. We withstood them. We did not give in to them for a moment, for a reason, so that they don't dilute the pure message of the gospel. So that the truth of the gospel will remain with you. Praise God. So I please, when you go and tell the people that Jesus Christ can save you, don't tell them that they have to be circumcised, they have to do this, this. Tell them that it's simply about faith. If they can believe, then they can be saved. Amen. They can believe, they can be saved. Uh, finally, I want us to <coughs> know that the gospel does not simply come in words. Praise God. So when you go uh, to share the love of Jesus with the world, to share the love of Jesus with someone else, don't focus only on the words. Some people will say, well, like Moses, he said, you know, I'm a stammerer. I cannot... I cannot eloquently speak the word of God. I only know a few scriptures. I cannot even, yeah, I'm not so confident that I can explain the scripture to someone. But the gospel is not just about the words. Praise God. In 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5, can we read that? 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with First of all, with power, and secondly, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sakes. Praise God. Paul said, he said, my gospel did not come to you in mere words or in the words of men only, but he said that the gospel came in power. And this is, uh, I was researching about this. This is not talking about the, the miraculous power. So uh, the power that, 
like some people can interpret this that the gospel were not just mere words but it came also with miracles signs and wonders no that's not what paul meant there what paul was saying he said the words that i speak to you had within itself the power to convict the word itself is powerful and we can see that in hebrews chapter 4 verse uh, 12 can we read that <coughs> hebrews chapter 12 verse 4 Sorry, 4 verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirits and joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Praise God. So what Paul was saying here, he said, look, have you noticed that most of the people that preach the gospel, that really preach the gospel, were not educated men? They were fishermen, tax collectors, but, but when they speak, spoke the word of God, the word of God came with power and not the miraculous power, but the inherent power that is in the word of God. So when you, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God contains within itself the power to make you believe it. So it is not your responsibility to try to convince somebody about the gospel. Your responsibility is simply to share the word and let the word get active in itself and produces power within itself that will make that person believe the word that you speak. Praise God. So once we have this understanding, then we will, we will not focus too much on our own limitations. We focus much on our own limitations sometimes when we want to preach the gospel. I'm not this, I'm not good. But no, that is not, that is not what God wants. What God wants is simply that you deliver the word and let the word do its thing. The word is powerful in itself. Praise God. The word is Jesus Christ. And secondly, he said that, that the word came to you in power and in the Holy Spirit. Praise God. So when you go to preach the gospel, you should allow the Holy Spirit to flow. You should allow the Holy Spirit to direct you. Because the Holy Spirit is actually the one who gives us the boldness to declare the word of God. Who gives us the boldness to declare the word of God. If you remember the disciples... When Jesus left, they were, they were prosecuted. They were persecuted so much that they were hiding. Praise God. They were hiding. But the Bible says after the day of Pentecost, these guys went. They were challenging people in the synagogues. They were not scared anymore because they were no longer doing it by their own strength. But they had allowed the Holy Spirit to use them as an instrument for the gospel. Praise God. So you should realize that First of all, the word of God, it is not your responsibility to make, make it sound convincing to people. Your responsibility is simply to preach it because in itself is the power to convict. And secondly, you should do it as an instrument led by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. When the Holy Spirit leads you, then you cannot be wrong. You will see the greatest effect. Amen. I want us to rise on our feet. I want us to pray for the remaining four minutes or so. I want us to thank God for salvation and that it is free. I want us to really thank God for that. That He doesn't require anything for us but faith. He doesn't require anything of us but faith, but faith. 
So I wanted to just thank God, take a moment to thank God and say, Father, thank you for your free gift of salvation. Thank you for your free gift of salvation. Thank you that you came and you saved me. Thank you that you came and you transformed my life. Thank you that I was once without hope, but now I have hope. Thank you that I was once without direction, but now I have direction. Thank you that I felt purposeless, I felt hopeless, but you came and you gave me a purpose and you did it for free. You did it for free. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. You came and you picked us from the miry clay and you set our foot upon the rock. I thank you that I am now called by your name. I am a child of God. I am righteous. I am holy. I have been set apart by what you did on the cross. I thank you, Jesus Christ, that I am no longer a slave to sin. Thank you, Jesus Christ, that I am no longer a slave to the desires of the flesh. There is no more burden. There is no more condemnation because I am now in Christ Jesus. I thank you. I give you praise. I honor you, Lord. Secondly, I want you to pray that help me to share what I have experienced with my neighbor. You're going to pray for God to help you to share the good news. Paul said, first of all, as of first importance, I want to share with you that which also I received. So if you have really received Jesus, if you have really received Jesus Christ, I want you to pray that God help me to share it with my neighbor. My neighbor at my house, my colleague at work, I know they are struggling with something in their lives. I know you can help them. I know you can change their lives. Help me. Give me the grace and the boldness to declare the truth unto them that they may also see the light of the gospel and that they might be saved. Oh, Father, I receive grace. I receive grace to share the word. I receive grace to share my experience with the world, to share with my neighbor, to share with my colleague, to share it with my children, with my family, to share it wherever I find myself because it's a wonderful thing that you have done. It's a great thing that you have done. I help me that they know also that you can do it for them, that you can do it for them. We worship you, Jesus. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise God.